Then he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which will be given for you. Do this in memory of me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Welcome to a New York Catholic conversation. My name is Deacon John Catalano, and I'm with my friend, my good pally from Rockville Center, New York, Frank Alasia. Frank, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just great, Deacon. How's everything? Everything is great, and we've selected a great topic for tonight, the most important of all, the real presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. Uh, that's the basis of our beliefs and religious practices as Catholics. It is the source and summit of our faith. We Catholics believe in the real presence of Jesus Christ, body and blood, soul and divinity, in the Eucharist at the Mass. And it's the most important thing to us. And without that, we're not a Catholic church. So how would you start off our conversation about this, Frank? I mean, in this sacrament is the author of grace. The other sacraments just impart grace, and that's the difference. Once a priest consecrates the bread, he is present and stays with us. Okay, take baptism, for instance. Once, once the water is used, it has served its purpose, and it's, it's done. Um, Jesus at Last Supper said, do this in memory of me. Perpetuate it. Keep it going. He left us a memorial of that sacrifice. And the Catholic Church has never wavered on this in its in its 2,000-year history. You're right. And it's not only a reminder of the Last Supper, as you say, but we believe Jesus gave himself up, right? He sacrificed himself to save mm -hmm. us from our sins. That sacrifice is present to us in this sacrament. We call it the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So by eating the bread at Mass, we're not only sharing in his life, he died and rose again. So the Eucharist makes us sharers in the crucified Christ and the risen Christ. He's with us again and again in the Eucharist, which is why we go all the time. He's present in the bread and wine, and we are nourished through his sustaining power. And we believe all this because he said so. It's, in, it's That's exactly right. It's important to remember it's a sacrament and a sacrifice. Right. The sacrament is for the uh, sanctification of us. The sacrifice is for the glorification of God the Father. But, you know, during, during COVID, we've, we've heard a lot about uh, spiritual communions. So could you, you know, go into that a little bit and tell us, tell us what a spiritual communion is? That's like an accommodation that has been made to people who could not come to Mass and receive him actually. And it's also available to people who are shut in and so forth, have no access to mm -hmm. receiving Holy Communion to the homebound. Right. I get distressed when people come to Mass, like a funeral Mass, and haven't been in church, obviously, for two or three years, whatever it is, and they just march up and receive Holy Communion, you know, not being in the state of grace. Right. And what's sad is that when we prepare young children, right, for, for their first Holy Communion, we tell them that they have to be prepared to receive him that their hearts have to be ready for this special event. So we teach them to you know, recall their sins and go to confession so that on the day that they receive him into themselves, they'll be ready. And it's important to be in that state of grace when we receive. You're so right. And, you know, I, I tell people, you know, look, if you have mortal sin on your soul, 
don't receive because you, you bring condemnation upon yourself. St. Paul said that in the gospel. You're better off just making a spiritual communion at mass if you're not in the state of grace. You know, or look, only God knows if you're truly in the state of grace, but increase your odds by going to confession. I mean, I can have an abstract feeling that my sins are forgiven, but when you go to confession, you have an objective, tangible sign about that. So, so do it if you, if you can get there. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about was John chapter 6, verse 53. You know, Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not have life in you. He's unapologetic. Uh, unapologetic right it means it's literal because if it wasn't he would explain like he's done many times in the bible right well yeah that reminds you of the the, the conversation that he had with nicodemus right uh, nicodemus said how can a man re-enter his mother's womb and jesus said no i'm not i'm not saying that i'm saying you have to be reborn of the spirit so he explained it figuratively to nicodemus but when he's in john 6 he's speaking literally unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood and I am the bread of life. That's a literal thing. And he means it when he says it. Right. And anytime, as you know, like when, when the apostles don't understand something, Jesus takes the time to explain it to him. You know, you said, you know, when these, when he, when he said this, what happened? Those guys walked away. They walked away that they, they couldn't handle, they couldn't accept. Well, the Jews it. said, this saying is hard. Who can accept right. it? I mean, but but then he turned to his friends and said, are you going to leave me too? And they said, you have the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? Exactly. That leads me to what you what were you saying. What was a Flannery O'Connor quote you, you mentioned? Well, somebody said that the, it's a symbol, right? And, and she said, well, if it's a symbol, then to hell with it. <laughs> exactly right. One of the other things that we can do... Um, you know, as far as the Eucharist goes, and I, I think this is this is so powerful and really life changing. It's called Eucharistic adoration. Uh, now, there are kind of two types. There's there's the formal kind where the Eucharist is exposed in the monstrance, monstrance which is our logo, thanks to the deacon. Um, and you go formally, like I, I'm a member of the Eucharistic Adoration Society, and we go the first Friday of every month. And we pray before the Eucharist from eight to nine in the evening. But you can go to any church, any Catholic church, and sit before the Eucharist. And what I like to do is I like to meditate on how much God loves me. And, you know, when you compare that to a human love, it's like comparing a, a, a candlelight to the sun. You know, I try to take all my problems to him. And I think that, you know, whether you have a bad back or your finances are in trouble, your kids are giving you trouble, just surrender it to God. And, and I remember a, a, one of my friends in AA said to me, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people are in that state where they just don't know where else to go. You see, you have the God of the universe here. Come in and sit with them for 15 minutes. There's 1,140 minutes in the day. How well, many of those minutes do you give to Jesus, right? No doubt that Eucharistic adoration is the, the best way. Other than going to Mass and receiving Jesus right. and the Holy Sacrifice, the next best thing is to 
place yourself in the presence of God. If you believe that Jesus is present, really present in the Eucharist, then you can go to church, sit in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And, and you, you know, you can, you've suggested that you sometimes will read something or reflect on something, but just bring everything to the Lord and present it to him. Because if he's present with you in the Eucharist, you can be present with him. So I think it's a great practice, Frank, to do Eucharistic adoration. Yeah, the saints did it. I mean, St. John Vianney, they, they asked him what he did. And he said, Jesus looks at me and I look at him. You know, when we receive Jesus, we are transformed. We, we, we take in the body of blood to be more like Christ-like. And hopefully we will. And that practice of Eucharistic adoration on top of receiving Jesus is such a great way um, you know, to, to, to get to get the grace that he wants to give you. You know, and if I think if, if anybody, uh, well, we have friends who feel this way, that if they have any doubt about the real presence, and it's a challenging belief. It's a matter right. of faith. And by yeah. the way, it's something, it's not something you can think about or get your head around. It's not a thinking thing at all. It's a matter of faith. And, right. and when we think, when we approach the idea of real presence, we have to sort of lean into it give ourselves right. over to it, uh, reflect on it, pray for it, and then uh, want to believe it. And so if anybody has any doubt about the real presence, I would say, first of all, you're not alone. And secondly, I have a prayer for you and for all of us. Right. Lord, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Beautiful, Deacon. You wrapped it up terrific. Well, no, no. I want to say one more thing. First of all, will we receive him? Uh, we believe that as we receive him, he receives us at the mass. And mm -hmm. we are in communion with him and with each other and with God. And we call that holy. So I would say to you, Frank, and all of our friends, let us receive holy communion with God as often as we can. Amen? Yes, amen. Uh, I love you a lot, Frank. Uh, listen, friends, uh, like us or follow us. Or send us an email. We'd like to hear from you. A-N-Y Catholic Conversation at gmail.com. That's A-N-Y Catholic Conversation at gmail.com. Frank, I'll talk to you next time. Love you a lot, buddy. God bless, Deacon. <laughs>